Our perception of the weather and the seasons is a curious thing because so often we find it hard to be content in the weather we are experiencing. You know, when it's winter, we want the heat of summer. When it's summer, we want the cool of fall or winter. When the sun is beating down, we long for a rain cloud. But when the sky has been pouring, it is, is it too much just to ask for a, a break to see the blue sky and the sun once more? You know, we likely struggle with contentment and the weather because we have an ideal weather pattern that is always short-lived or never materializes. So often, we don't get what we want. Similarly, while trying to settle into the promised land, the Israelites wanting something in their lives. But when they got what they wanted, things didn't turn out as they had hoped. In this session, we see the Israelites ask for a king to judge them and lead them in their battles against the nations around them. They believed a human king would do better than Samuel and his sons to protect them from their enemies. But in rejecting the leadership of Samuel, they were actually rejecting the kingship of the Lord. The king they would get would fail to be one devoted to God's own heart. Instead, he would fail to trust the Lord for provision and protection, and he would fail to obey the Lord's word. The people got whom they wanted, but who they wanted didn't measure up. Our first point is the people reject God as their true king. The people reject God as their true king. Read with me 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 9 and verses 19 and 20. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they had have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The Israelites experienced a deja vu moment as Samuel's two sons took advantage of their position as judges, just like Eli's sons. The last time they lost in battle, lost the ark, and lost God's presence and glory. Naturally, the Israelites wanted to change their path, so they asked Samuel for a king. The people's request was not necessarily bad, but the heart behind it was to be like the other nations around them. Scripture reveals that it was always God's will for a man one day to sit on a throne over his people. In his promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants, he included the promise of kings to come. He even gave instructions for how a king should be chosen and reign in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. Furthermore, the book of Judges showed the necessity of a king to reign in the sinfulness of God's people. And Hannah prophetically praised God for raising up a king to do just this. God called his people to be separate from the world and holy to the Lord. He called Abraham out from his family to obey him in faith. 
He redeemed the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt. He gave them His law in the wilderness to govern their nation, their worship, and their behavior. His people were to be unique, set apart, different from the Lord's own possession, a kingdom of priests, and a blessing to the whole world, not like the other nations. Think about this. What are some reasons we struggle with wanting to be like the world? You know, maybe the way of the world seems more fun, or it seems to like it works better, or it can be awkward and painful to be different. We have also have a sinful nature that resists the way of God. The Israelites' request was problematic for another reason. They were rejecting God as their king. The people wanted a human king to judge them and lead them in their battles. But the Lord himself had commanded them, led them, provided for them, fought for them, and ruled over them. They needed no one else, but that didn't stop them. So God gave them what they wanted. Listen to this quote from K. Arthur and David Arthur. God was Israel's king. Israel was warned that to establish a human monarch was to spurn God. Israel did not heed the warning, but preferred visible human flesh to an invisible God. Had the Israelites prayed and asked for the Lord's direction, they, had they asked Samuel for advice or even listened to his warning, they would have fared better for the next 42 years, the length of Saul's troubled reign as the first king over Israel. Instead, they suffered under the consequences of their selfish choice to reject God's leadership through Samuel. You know, often we try to fix things in our lives without seeking God in prayer. Many times we choose to rely on our habits, our plans, or our self-sufficiency. In these times, like the Israelites, we should consider the warning that God may give us the foolishness that we want. But if we run to the Lord in faithful prayer, we can trust His sovereign protection and goodness, either to answer our requests or to refrain from our good. Our second point is the people's king fails to trust God. The people's king fails to trust God. After the people's insistence on a king, Samuel sent them home. Then God arranged a private meeting for Samuel in which he anointed a man named Saul as king over Israel. Following a public recognition, Saul and his army camped at Gilgal in opposition to the Philistines, and there he waited for Samuel's promised arrival. Read with me 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, and verse, verses 13 and 14. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, but he was a reluctant king initially. 
at his public coronation. He hid from the people until the Lord pointed him out. He seemed to fit the part, however, being a head taller than anyone else. He stood out, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, he led with strength and conviction. He even demonstrated wisdom and grace, rejecting the execution of some of his early detractors. Saul looked the part of a king, and his first actions as king secured the approval of the people. But faithful leadership is more than skin deep. It is a matter of the heart. Saul was commanded by Samuel to wait for him for seven days in Gilgal, when he would come to offer sacrifices and give instructions for the battle. Saul waited, but all the while his troops were deserting him in fear. When he couldn't take it any longer, he gave up waiting and made the sacrifices himself. In his own fear, Saul took into his own hands a responsibility that belonged to the priests alone. And then Samuel arrived. You think about this. What is the relationship between fear and patience? Well, fear causes us to lose patience, right? And patience requires trust in the God who overcomes our fears. Fears takes our eyes off of the one who inspires and encourages patience. Samuel listened to Saul's excuses. He saw his people deserting, and he had not yet seen a Samuel, and he feared the Philistines. But no excuse justified Saul's rash action. He disobeyed Samuel's command and thereby disobeyed God. The people's foolish request for a king like the nations had resulted in a king who made a foolish decision on behalf of his people. Saul's lack of faith led to disobedience and to consequences. There would be no dynasty for Saul and his descendants. Saul's impatience with Samuel stemmed from a lack of faith in God. Saul saw his army dwindling while Samuel seemed to be dawdling. How could he fight against the Philistines, much less defend against them, with his army shrinking day by day from fear? He must have forgotten about Gideon and his army of 300 selected by God to rout the Midianites. Saul needed God's favor to defeat the Philistines, and for that, he reasoned, sacrifices had to be made, as if God were a deity who needed to be placated. His misunderstanding of the nature of God forced him to disobey, but soon he would learn that the Lord desires obedience rather than sacrifice. Saul's lack of faith and trust in the Lord stood in contrast with an unnamed man who did trust the Lord described as being a man after God's own heart. He would eventually succeed Saul and reign as God's king. This king was David. With a heart primarily focused on the glory of God, David would be promised an everlasting dynasty, which would be fulfilled in the eternal kingship of his descendant, Jesus. Think about this. What is the relationship between faith and obedience? Well, obedience without faith does not please the Lord. Faith must work itself out in obedience for it to be true faith. Faith in God encourages obedience to God, and a lack of faith in God leads to actions done out of fear. Our last point is the people's king fails to obey God. The people's king fails to obey God. King Saul showed himself to be an able defender of the people of Israel from their surrounding enemies. But he still couldn't shake his lack of faith and resulting disobedience, which led to even greater consequences for Saul. 
Read with me 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, verses 22 and 23. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul's blindness and deafness to his disobedience all around him in the form of animals and their sounds shows how easy it is for us to justify our sin. You know, often we think we know better than God about what we should say or do. We think our ways are better than God's. We think we are smarter than God. But we must become aware of our own sin because we come by it naturally. And we often come by it intentionally. Moments like this in the pages of the Old Testament must not be avoided. They must not, of course, be lifted out of context and caricatured. Sometimes such terrible biblical incidents are condemned as a genocide or ethnic cleansing. Now, this is uh, to measure the events by modern moral categories while disregarding the Bible's own evaluation of them. Right? These episodes should remind us that God always has been and still is the judge of all the earth who does only what is just and right. See, Israel or Israelites could find themselves failing under this judgment, just as those to whom this judgment came could seek and find mercy. Listen to this essential doctrine of sin as missing the mark. One aspect of sin is missing the mark of God's standards set for humanity. This missing of the mark is not a simple mistake, but a falling short of God's glory through conscious choosing of sin. We may refer to sin as a failure on the part of humans to live according to God's standards, but we must recognize this failure as intentional. We miss the mark when we deliberately choose to cast aside God's intention for us. The Lord regretted making Saul king over Israel, not because he didn't know the end result of his appointment, but because Saul refused to obey the Lord's commands. Further, Saul justified his disobedience in the language of worship and sacrifice. The Lord, however, was not pleased. He rejected Saul's intended worship, Saul's excuses, and Saul as king because the Lord delights in faithful obedience. Sacrifices served as visual illustrations of atonement, repentance, fellowship, thanksgiving, and worship. The Lord prescribed these things for His people to help restrain their sin and to restore the relationships with Him. Ultimately, these sacrifices pointed forward to Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But these sacrifices were never meant to replace a desire for faithful obedience. Saul's disobedience was equivalent to divination or sorcery and idolatry, sins for which the nations were driven out of the promised land. Saul couldn't worship the Lord under these circumstances because he had rejected the word of the Lord. Furthermore, he blamed his troops. You know, instead of leading his people into holiness, this king followed his people into rebellion. 
Therefore, the kingdom was ripped from him and given to a man after the Lord's own heart. The Lord's regret in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11 and 35 over making Saul king in light of his rebellion is reminiscent of his regret in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 over the evil in the world that led to the flood. Now, this does not indicate a flaw in God's omniscience, but a change in the way he responds and relates to his image bearers because of their sin. The use of regret is an anthropomorphic language, attributing human qualities to God to teach something about God. Now, this idea must be understood in light of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25, in which it is said that the Lord does not lie or have regret because he is not a man. I think about this. I mean, what are some characteristics that accompany faithful obedience? We have humility, right? I mean, a, a repentant spirit, a desire to please God, a heart for the Word of God, a reliance upon the Holy Spirit, and a dedication to God's glory in Jesus. You know, the Israelites wanted a human king like all the other nations had, and God gave them exactly what they wanted. Saul, a rash, foolish, disobedient king who followed his own heart instead of the Lord's. Now, while the people's request for a king was sinful, God would turn it around for good. One day, he would raise up a, the king after his own heart to lead his people. King Jesus was and is perfect in his trust and obedience to the Father. And he is reigning even now as Savior and Lord for all who believe. Until the day we see his reign in its fullness, we strive for faithful obedience in the Spirit to help lead others into his salvation and his eternal kingdom. Because we have trusted in Christ, the King of kings, for our salvation, we seek to put away all disobedience and submit fully to him so that the world will experience redemption through him and enter into God's kingdom. Here are some ways for you to apply God's word to your life this week. What are some ways you will stop following your own heart to follow the Lord's in faithful obedience? How can your church lead one another toward holiness and away from rebellion? Whom will you confront in their rebellion and call them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ? Listen to this quote. This is the greatest fault under which humanity labors, that after sinning they take refuge in excuses rather than prostrate themselves with repentant confession. Would you pray with me? Father, you are great and you are holy and you desire obedience rather than sacrifice. But so often we come with half-hearted sacrifices, the honor, neither your greatness nor your holiness. Thank you for sending Jesus to be our perfect sacrifice through his perfect obedience. Now, with the gift of your Holy Spirit, help us to obey in faith, to repent of sin, and to live sowing the seeds of the gospel in the world. Amen.